Welcome to the We Are Calvary podcast, where our mission is to share Jesus and help people experience life change. Thank you so much for listening. Here's this week's message. 11 a.m. Good morning. It's good to see you. I'm going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have your paper Bibles or your iPads or iPhones, however you want to read God's Word, will also be on our large sky Bibles up here, if you didn't bring your Bible. Bibles in the sky. Uh, but would you stand to your feet one more time if you'd be so willing? Man, it's just good to be in God's presence, isn't it? Good to be in amongst God's people. I just believe when we open up the Word, God wants to speak to us. And this is what I love about God's Word, is that when we open it, by the Spirit of God, He's gonna speak to you. I might say some things the way I felt like the Lord's asked me to say it, but how cool is this? The Lord adapts it to your situation. Isn't that cool? That as we read God's word, you know, we're all in different places, but he meets us where we're at this morning. So let's go with a, an expectancy and, and, a, and a, just an excitement for how he wants to speak to us. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22 would say this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And catch this phrase. I I can't stop thinking about this phrase all week. Don't quench the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Don't quench the spirit. That word quench can be interchangeable with extinguish. In the original language, don't extinguish the work of the spirit. Let's pray one more time this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's a guide for our lives. It's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. And it guides us and shapes us to help us be more like you. So Holy Spirit, as we talk about you this morning, uh, illuminate the things in our lives that we need to change and shift, but also show us things about yourself that we haven't seen before. And so we sit under your teaching, Lord, this morning. You're the teacher, you're the word of God, and we just all submit under it together. And so we thank you for what you're gonna do in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen, you may be seated this morning. I, um, I, I've categorized everybody, all people into two categories. You ready for this? Now you're curious. Are you ready? Only one person's curious. Here we go. Um, people that like a gas fireplace or people that like a wood-burning fireplace. I think that these, there's the two categories of people. How many of you this morning, you're like, I'm a gas fireplace person. Let me see a show of hands. Okay. Uh, And then if you're a wood fireplace person, let's see. Wow. Now, all of you guys, I'm actually curious. I didn't ask this at the other service. Show of hands, if you actually have a wood burning fireplace in your house still. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. All weekend, it's been like, Wood-burning fireplace is everyone's, everyone's favorite. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, my wife and I, we just live here in Sumner. And, uh, after almost burning down my house three times and in turn almost burning down the whole city of Sumner, I felt like it was a good deed for the community for me to put a gas insert into my house. So we have a gas fireplace, but I do love a, a good wood-burning fireplace when you get to sit outside or inside, especially when you get one of those uh, fire pits. Isn't it just so great, just the times you get to have with people when you just get to catch up on life, maybe over a, a bonfire, or just it's a, it's a lot of fun. It could be a very communal, communal thing. And I need you to go with me for just a moment with this analogy, because I think, I think it hopefully makes sense um, for where the text is at this morning. I think sometimes in our lives, you know, God, at the moment of salvation, when we come to know Jesus, 
Like the Holy Spirit lights a, a fire within our soul. Like a spark begins to happen. And that spark over time, the Lord builds through his word. The Lord builds through experiences and his presence. The Lord builds in our lives. That spark can turn into a wildfire in our lives. How I many of that's God's desire for us? Is that we would, we would be people full of the spirit and that we would be blazing trails for the kingdom with a wildfire in our lives. But I think sometimes... This is what I think Paul is trying to get us to see in this idea of quenching the spirit, extinguishing the spirit. I think sometimes our, our, our spiritual lives, our souls looks way less like a wildfire and way more like one of those outside gas fireplaces. Like I think sometimes our spiritual life is like one of those, like in my house we have one of those outdoor ones and you turn on the propane, you turn the thing on, you ignite it and it, it's awesome and it, and it, the fire's going and it's good. And then when you're done with it, unlike a wood fireplace, a gas, a gas outdoor fireplace, you just turn it off and you get to go on with your life. Amen, right? But so many of us, our spiritual lives operate like that too. So many of us come to church, turn on the propane, ignite the gas fireplace, light the flame of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And it's genuine and it's real. And God meets us here. But then we quench it once we leave this place. We turn off the fireplace. Are you with me this morning? How many know that is not God's desire for our lives? That is not God's desire in our spiritual lives that we would just allow the Holy Spirit to move in a context like this and then we turn it off and we, no, actually I think the Holy Spirit wants to light a, a flame within us as we sang today that turns into a wildfire that makes a difference in our World. So today I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about God's vision for a spirit-filled life. Number two, ways the spirit can be quenched in our lives. And number three, ways that we can ignite the spirit's work in our lives. I hope that the Lord meets us in these. Number one, let's talk about God's vision for a spirit-filled life. As Pastor Ray alluded this morning, I think it's so important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. That when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about an energy. We're not talking about seeking just a power. We are, we are seeking a person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not an energy or a force we're seeking after. In fact, I believe when we understand the Holy Spirit as a person, then we will understand the power of the Spirit a lot better and a lot more in context of how we should. In fact, when Jesus said to his disciples in that famous Great Commission, when he said, Therefore, go and make disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and in the what? Holy Spirit. Jesus saw the Holy Spirit as a person of the Trinity. This is what the Bible speaks of. At least in my life, oftentimes I have, I, I've grown up in, in certain circles that I've been in, even in seminary. The, the things that are often talked about, we can talk a lot about the Father. We talk a lot about the work of the Son. But as Francis Chan talks about in his book, The Forgotten God, a lot of times the Holy Spirit can kind of be the forgotten part of the triune God that we forget about. Like, don't forget, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, all equal parts making up one triune God. This is who we worship. But I think sometimes it looks more like Father, Son, Holy Bible. We talk a lot about the Father, a lot about the Son, and all about the Holy Bible. How many know we need to talk about this book a lot. This is our roadmap. This is the guide. But when we talk about Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we see the truth of this scripture actually way clearer. When we understand the triune God, the, the role the Father plays, the role the Holy Spirit plays, and the role Jesus plays in our life, consider this. 
in the New Testament in particular, the Holy Spirit is portrayed multiple times as a person. All the qualities of a person, personal being, I should say. The Spirit performs the functions of personal being. He, the Spirit talks, testifies, and can be sinned against in Matthew chapter 12. In Acts chapter 5 verse 3, we see that the Spirit can even be lied to. In, in Hebrews 10, 29, we see that the Spirit can be insulted. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we see that the Holy Spirit enjoys relationship. In, in, in Acts 9, 31, we see the Spirit encourage. In Ephesians 3, we see the Spirit strengthen. And then we see the Spirit teach in Luke 12, John 14, and 1 Corinthians 2, 13. What am I trying to get you to see? The Holy Spirit takes on personal being. He takes on personality. He's a person. He's not an energy. He's not a force. He's a person. I love what Jesus says in John 14, 26. He says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of all things I have said to you. Church, consider this morning that in Genesis chapter one, the Spirit was moving amongst the waters. The Spirit was present at creation. Consider this morning, church, that the Spirit was guiding the people of Israel. The Bible says that as the people of Israel were journeying in the wilderness, that there was a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. The Spirit was guiding them. Consider this, that the Spirit was speaking through prophets, through priests, and through kings in the Old Testament. Consider this, that the Spirit was present. The being, the person of the Spirit was present at Jesus' birth. The person of the Spirit was present at Jesus' baptism. The person of the Spirit was present in Jesus' life, his ministry, his teaching. The, the person of the Spirit was present at Jesus' death. And the person of the Spirit was present at Jesus' resurrection. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead came upon the church in Acts chapter two. And this is the same spirit that resides in each and every one of us today. Are you with me this morning? This is the person of the spirit. And I, and I guess what I want you to see this morning is how important the person of the spirit plays in the role of salvation. You see, we can all, we, we keep the cross on the platform every week at Calvary to remind ourselves that there is no salvation except for the name of Jesus. The Bible says that, that we, we, because of the name of Jesus, because of the work of Jesus on the cross, his perfect life, his, his teachings, but then his death on the cross with no sin, but goes and pays the perfect penalty for us on the cross. And then he, he rises so that we can have relationship with God. But what I want you to see this morning is you didn't say yes to Jesus one day because of a good sermon. You didn't say yes to Jesus one day because the music was right. You didn't say yes to Jesus one day because you just, you just decided in your heart, I'm going to. I believe this so, it's so important. I believe you said yes to Jesus at that moment that was for you because the spirit of God was knocking at the door of your heart. He was saying, it's time for you to come home. He's, he's knocking at the door of your heart. You can't do this life on your own. You were created for much more than this. And at that moment, you said yes to the person of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Why? Because the spirit was knocking on the door of your heart and you said yes to it. See, the Holy Spirit's role is so important. In fact, I've been a part of youth ministry for most of my life at this point. And I've been able to obviously minister in lots of ways here at Calvary, but then there's been some context I've got to go and, and minister to some other youth ministries. And there's some in particular that I've been a part of that I'm like, how is the spirit moving in this place, right? Like uh, one time I went to this place and you know, the, there was like, and we've done funny games here, don't get me wrong, but there was this time it was like, 
whipped cream all over someone's face and then you're like throwing Cheetos at it. And like, this is a game. And I'm like, how does this honor God at all, right? Like this is, it's, but it's funny, it's laughter. And I'm like, what student would ever come to this, right? And then, and then like the music was like, okay, that's pretty interesting. I'm like, yeah, I don't know whatever student's enjoying this. And then I get up there and I'm like, I don't know why this message is terrible. I don't know why anyone would listen to this. Like I'm going and then, I, and then all of a sudden what happens? Kids come to know Jesus. Kids get saved. Kids get baptized. Kids come to, to a calling in ministry. And from the physical, you're like, why? <laughs> How? I'll tell you why. The Spirit of God. In the midst of broken, terrible ways of us doing ministry at times, the Spirit of God still works through all of it. How many are thankful for that today? And that's God's Spirit. That's the role of God's Spirit in salvation, that no matter what the means, no matter what the person, the Spirit of God's gonna work. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. Is this making sense this morning? Salvation is important. So that's the person of the Spirit. And I think when you understand the person of the Holy Spirit, you can then seek to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what Acts chapter one, verse eight says this. It says, but you'll receive power, power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit comes and brings power into our lives. And what's the Bible say? It brings power so that we can go and bring, be witnesses. I believe that first group of 12 disciples understood the power of the Holy Spirit is the reason why we are still witnesses today in Sumner, Washington, 2,000 years later, witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because of the power that came on the early church and the power that resides in the church. How many know over 2,000 years of history, there has been a lot of things that have attempted to take the church out? Church history, just study it. There's been times the church has gotten in its own way. But yet we're still here. 2,000 years later, why? Not because of any person, not because of any group of people, but because the Spirit of God has had his hand on the church, the power of God on the church, and the church will still be okay for, for as long as God has us on earth, the church will still be a thing. The gates of hell will not take out the church because the power of God rests upon the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ. So this is good news. It's the power of God. I love what it says in Acts chapter four, verse 31. And when they prayed, the place in which they gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? With boldness. See, when they prayed, the Holy Spirit showed up and they began to have a boldness to their life. I'm trying to get you to see the power of God that comes into our lives with the Holy Spirit. This is God's vision for our lives. Our, God's vision for our spiritual lives is that we'd no, he's, the, he's a person, but we'd understand his power because of that. And then thirdly, we'd understand his presence. I'm so thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love what it says in Romans chapter eight, verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Catch this this morning. Don't, don't let this scripture pass you by because I think it's so powerful. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. For he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Do you see that this morning? That when you don't even know what to pray in your life, when you even know what to say, at moments when you're unsure, at moments when you're 
tired and you're weary and, you're, and the prayers feel like you've been praying the same thing over and over and you just go before the presence of God and you say, God, I don't even know what to say anymore. The Bible says that those moments that the Spirit prays on your behalf. What is that? The very presence of God. When we, when we had first uh, had Liam, we, I can't have a Taylor sermon without talking about Liam, right? So one day he's gonna go back and watch all these later and he's gonna be like, why did you talk about me so much, right? Um, but when we first had Liam, I remember my wife saying things like, when he was crying, my wife would say, oh, that's like his tired cry. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is okay. I kind of, I think I hear it. Yeah, sounds good. And you're like, oh, th- that's his, when he cries, oh, that's his hungry cry. You moms, maybe some of you dads, you, maybe you can do this too. Like what, your baby has a different cry for what he or she needs. It's like, interesting, right? That, she, then she'd say, oh, that's his cry. He just, he just wants some attention. He just wants some. And so that's usually at two in the morning when she'd be like, yep, it's your turn to go in there, right? <laughs> but like, it was so interesting and it was such a cool experience for my wife to say, oh yeah, like that's this cry. That's, I know what my son needs based upon how he's crying here and crying there. Friends, how much more so does God the Father know the cry of your heart? When nobody else knows or understands, the presence of God does. David says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I run from your presence? And he comes to this conclusion, nowhere. Because even when you don't know what you need, the Spirit knows what you need. And even when other people in your life don't know what you need, the Spirit knows what you need. This is the very real and presence of God in our lives. This is God's vision for our spiritual life, is that we know he's the person of the Holy Spirit. He brings power unto our lives, but then he has this presence that he goes with us, that we can't shake it. We can't run from his presence. He continues to be with us over and over and over. And this is really good news. And it, and it makes me, I, I wrote this question in my notes, and who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to know that the God of the universe sends his presence into your life? But here's the reality. The reality is, is that as much as I believe that in the sovereignty of God, amen, that God is sovereign, that the Spirit will move, how the Spirit's gonna move, how many know there is no person that can stop the work of the Spirit? There's no personal agenda There's no person's resistance that can stop the work of what God wants to do. If God wants to move, God's gonna move. But this passage scripture is so fascinating to me that there are ways in our own personal journeys that we can quench the work of the Spirit in our lives. There's times when if the Spirit wants to light that flame of salvation within us, there's times when we can extinguish it and turn it to embers. That is still there, but it turns to embers in our lives. Just so you know that this isn't just the theme in 1 Thessalonians. It's also a theme in Ephesians chapter four. I want you to, to read this with me. For Ephesians four, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Verse 30, catch this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of salvation. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate with one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Five or six times, this is one of them. I showed you the other one in 1 Thessalonians. So three or four other times in the scriptures, Paul speaks about quenching, grieving the Holy Spirit. And there's ways in our lives that we can can do that, where we take the, the fire of what God wants to do in our life. He wants our spiritual life to look like a 
wildfire, we can quench it to maybe look like embers. What are some reasons? How do, how do we do this? I wrote down five or six ways we quench the spirit. Here's the first one. I think we can quench the spirit. Before I say this, are you with me, by the way? 11 a.m.? We can quench the spirit by a complacent spiritual life. Man, I think we can quench what God wants to do when we get complacent in our spiritual life. When we have this pursuit of the world way more than we pursue the word. When we're so focused on just our, our plan and what we're trying to do that we don't spend time in God's where we get complacent with the spiritual life. It's a busyness that comes into our life. And I believe, I believe if we're not making space for God, if we're not making room for God, if we just go through our life, going through the motions, we get complacent with things. I believe that is a great recipe for quenching the work of the spirit in your life. I believe God doesn't want us to just go through the motions with the spiritual things where you, you go to church because you have to or you, go, you don't go to church because you don't feel like it or you don't go to a, a spiritual meeting or a Bible study because all of a sudden other things take priority in your life or you don't do some of the spiritual disciplines that we, we talk about all the time here at Calvary. Word, worship, prayer, giving, serving, sharing your story. All these things that are not just words on a wall but they're things that we engage in in our lives for the Holy Spirit to come and to build us up for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill us up and to grow our faith. But when, we're, when we have this complacency to our spiritual life, it's a perfect recipe for, for a complacency and a quenching of the Spirit. What are some other ways we quench the Spirit? Number two, this one's a tough one, but it's disobedience to what God has told you to do. I believe you can quench the Spirit of God when you have a disobedience in your life. How many know that delayed obedience is still disobedience? That when God tells you to do something and you don't do it, delayed obedience is still what? <laughs> it's disobedience. And this is my second Liam story, and then I'll be done with Liam's stories for a second, okay? <laughs> uh, he's two now, so he can... He can, open up the, he can open up the door. And so the other, other night we were in the kitchen, we were getting ready for dinner and all of a sudden we hear the door open and this is a new reality for us. We're gonna have to get like some bells on the door or something. And so he opens it and he just, he sprints out the front door. And we, we live on like a private street. So, you know, it wasn't like the biggest deal, but it was, a, we had to make it a big deal because how many know you, you shouldn't just let your two-year-old run out the front door, right? <laughs> uh, but I was thinking about this because I was like, could you imagine if me as Liam's dad, he's two, said, hey, Liam, that's fine you did that. Come home when you're ready. <laughs> when you feel like it, we'll be here. I know you're only two, but man, but how many, how many of us treat God that way? God's like, hey, this is what I'm asking of you. I'll do it when I feel like God. God says, maybe you should go Seek reconciliation with your wife because the things you said were not that all kind, not very kind. Oh, well, God, I know that's what you're asking me, but I'll make it right later. God's like, hey, that coworker that you spoke to inappropriately, you, you maybe made them feel bad or, you, or you, you, you tore them down instead of building them up, you were angry. God's like, you should go make that right. Yeah, God, I'll do it later. Or... A, a tough conversation you have to have with a friend. I could, I could share examples all day. I think you know what it is for you when the Holy Spirit says, this is what I'm asking you to do, and you don't do it. I believe it's a, it's a quenching of the Spirit of God. It quenches God's Spirit in your life. And I might also say this. In your life, if you, 
If you get to this place where you're like, all right, God, I'll do that later. God's patient and he's kind and he'll let you stay in that and until you're obedient with that. God will not tell you what's next until you're obedient with what he's asking you to do first. When, you, when you're obedient with what's first, then he'll tell you what is next in your life. I think we can quench the spirit through disobedience. Number three, I think this one's self-explanatory, but we can quench the spirit by pride. Pride in our lives can quench the work of the Holy Spirit. How many know what it says in 1 Corinthians that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I love Pastor Ray had us kneel this morning before the presence of God. And I believe it's a posture we need to take more often. And we would just say, Holy Spirit, come. I, I kneel my own agenda, that posture. I, I come before you with humility in my life. The Lord loves a broken and a contrite, humble heart. That's a place where the Spirit can come. But when we're full of pride and arrogance, it quenches the Spirit in our life. Number four, having secrets in our life can quench the work of the Holy Spirit. That when your life is categorized and there's a church you, there's a Bible study you, and then there's you here, and you have different versions of yourself based upon different places you go. It's, it's, a, it's a place where you learn to build secrets in your life. And the Holy Spirit, he doesn't want us to have a categorized us. He wants us to be one. One person. Integrity, integer, just means one. Integrity in our lives. I believe when we have secrets in our life. It, it, it doesn't leave room for the Holy Spirit to work on all of us because we're compartmentalizing our lives. So let's, let's be open and, and be out front with God. How about this one? Turning faith into an intellectual experience can quench the work of the Holy Spirit. That when you come to church or when you read the Bible, you, you just spend time to read the scriptures just so that you can build your next doctrine or your next theology. And I'm all for that. I think if you haven't done Rooted and you haven't done Deep Dive, you, you need to get signed up for our fall sessions. You need to just get it on the calendar, commit to the Lord that you're gonna do it before, this, before it gets all crazy busy in your calendar. Just put first things first and studying theology and studying the word of God and being around people that help you stretch and, and learn how to think is super important. But if that's where it stops, you're missing the whole thing. If you can tell all about certain doctrines, but it hasn't transferred to your heart, you're missing it all. And I think it can quench the spirit when the Bible just becomes a textbook for you. When God doesn't just want this to be a textbook, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a letter from God to you and he wants you to dialogue with him through the word. It can quench the work of the spirit in our life. How about this one? This is the last one that Paul even mentions. And I know this word can kind of like scare people. So hopefully I can ease your fears this morning. We can quench the work of the spirit through a despise of prophecy despise a prophecy. Some of you, even when I say that word, I can see the look on your face. Like, where's he gonna go there? <laughs> um, check what Paul said. He said, don't quench the work of the spirit. And then right after he says, don't despise prophecies. So Paul is saying, don't despise the things of, that are prophetic. What does that really mean? I believe prophecy is when someone understands the truths and the promises of God's word, and their hearts are humble before the Lord for your best, for what's best for you and the Lord. And they speak a promise of God over your life based upon what the Spirit speaks to them to say. In fact, in a lot of settings like this, this is a, this, this is a prophetic moment when the word of God is being spoken over us. Are you with me this morning? Now, sometimes prophecy is like, hey, I believe that God wants you to get a new airplane <laughs> or God wants you to have a trillion dollars. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't see that in this book. How about you, <laughs> right? 
God's like, hey, your life's gonna be easy and not have any problems ever. And you're like, that goes exactly opposite to what Jesus says in this book, right? <laughs> so like the prophecy needs to be lined up. So Paul says, don't despise prophecy. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you wanna read it for yourself, he actually encourages prophecy in some regards, but it's within the context of knowing this. He says, don't despise it, but catch what he says, test it, test it, discern it. If it, if it doesn't make sense, then it does in this book, you can lovingly say, thank you for that, but I don't believe this was for me right now, right? This is what he's saying. He's saying we, we, we shouldn't despise prophecies. We should be open our lives to them. I think what he's trying to say is this, is that in the church in, in Thessalonica, also in the church in Ephesus, church in Corinth, the church in Philippi, there were preachers and pastors and spiritual leaders that were standing up and using this word and twisting it for their own agenda, and so what was happening was the people of God were just, were, were, they, were, they didn't want any of it. They were coming to church, close, close. They are saying, eh, that pastor's got their own personal agenda in mind. They don't, they don't have what's best for me. And how many know in 2023, we still deal with the same thing today? Is there are, there are people that are taking God's word and they're twisting it for their own personal reasons. So what's Paul say? Don't just, don't say that you don't want God's word. Say, I'm gonna test and discern everything. I know Pastor Ray has encouraged this of us. Every time you hear one of us speak on the platform, you need to read 1 Thessalonians chapter five and you have to say, okay, yes, Pastor Taylor did his research. <laughs> Hopefully he spoke God's word and truth of what it meant in context this morning. Does that make sense? Test what I'm saying, put it into practice. This is what we should do as followers of Jesus. But if you despise it and say, that's not for me, I don't want, I'm not open, I'm close-hearted, I'm close-minded, that's the moment that can quench the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so as we close this morning, we talked about God's vision for spirit-filled life. We talked about things that quench the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Just real quickly, what are some ways that we can ignite the Spirit's work in our lives? I think I could talk about a thousand of them, but how about the three things that Paul encourages us in this passage? He opens up and he says, rejoice always. How many know this is a great place to start in igniting the work of the Spirit in your life? Have this rejoice always mindset, this rejoice always heart. You know, there was a time when we had to win people over to the Lord with our theology. We had to win people over to the Lord with, this is what this doctrine is, and this is what this is. How many know the church right now is primed for revival because we don't have to win people over with that. We can just be kind. Rejoice always. How many know we can rejoice always and not be cynical? We can rejoice always and not be angry. We can rejoice always and we can be content. You see, I believe, how, how does the church stir up revival in Sumner, Puyallup, Auburn, Ording? We just don't look like the world. And when the world gets super angry and frustrated, we say, it's gonna be okay because my God is in control. See, Paul wasn't saying rejoice always because you're just not gonna have any problems. It's rejoice always because when your problems come and it's when they come, whether self-inflicted or whether they come into your life in trials and tribulations that you couldn't control, you're gonna rejoice through it because your God will see you through. I will rejoice always. What if you had that mindset? And not like, I'm not being trying to be like, I'm not joking with that, but like, well, praise God for that. Praise God for the pain. Praise God for the heartbreak. I'm not praising God for it. I'm praising God in it. 
then in the midst of all of it, God's gonna shape me in. What if you had that rejoice always? I promise you ignite the work of the spirit in your life. Rejoice always. What's the second thing he says? He says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. I would encourage you, what, what would your, how would your spiritual life be different with the Holy Spirit? If when you woke up in the morning, the first thing you did before checking your phone, before worrying about what the day's agenda was, before worrying about what you were stressed about, you just woke up in the morning, you said, Holy Spirit, I invite you into today. And you, just, and you start the day with, you say, dear Jesus, I invite your presence into my life today. And what if you lived your life and before every meeting, you just say, Lord, I'm gonna need your wisdom in this meeting today. On your way to work, when you're sitting in traffic, you say, Lord, I need your patience today. When you have a phone call that goes south and you say, Lord, I need your discernment today. And, and every moment, your, your whole life, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, it just becomes this prayer. When you lay your head on the pillow, you say, and Jesus, thank you for being faithful in my life today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Like what if your day was packaged with a good morning, Lord, and a good evening, Lord, and everything, you, everything in your life was just a prayer in the midst of it. How different would your life be? I propose it would be an igniting of the spirit in your life because it's just this continual prayer, pray without ceasing. And then lastly, Paul encourages, he says, and be grateful always. Give thanks in all circumstances. Just give thanks. I bet, and I know some of your stories this morning. I know some of you are in massive trials and tribulations and uphill battles this morning. But I promise you, even in the midst of them, there's little blessings. There's little things to be grateful for. F focus on those. I think when you focus on those, that it invites the Holy Spirit into your life and it ignites the flame of the spirit. And love what the psalmist David says. He says, I will enter into his courts with thanksgiving and with praise. Church, may we be people that lift our eyes up. We lift our eyes up to the Lord and find reasons to be grateful. Pastor Daniel, a few weeks ago, and he talked about this joy and gratitude challenge. If you missed it, you have to go back and, and, and watch his message. But this idea that joy and gratitude, it's actually this thing that, fuels God's love into our life. And so I'd encourage you, be joyful, rejoice, pray without ceasing, and yes, give thanks in all circumstances. And I watch, your spiritual life might look like a propane fireplace right now when you come for an hour and it gets turned on and then you turn it off and go. But I, I dare you to say, Holy Spirit, turn me into a, a bonfire for you. <laughs> Turn me into a wildfire for you. I don't want to have this controlled, but in the Holy Spirit, come and move in my life. Ignite something different that at the end of my life, when I get to the end of my life, I can see every single year was a year of me taking off the restraints of what the Holy Spirit wants, wants to do in my life and me taking off the things that are quenching the Spirit and extinguishing the Spirit. And by the end of my life, I can say, thank you, Lord, that you used me as a kingdom builder. Thank you that you used me as a person that was open to the presence and the work of the Holy Spirit. And then the fruits of the Spirit come into your life. And so you don't have to try to be more loving or joyful or kind or patient. No, no, no. You're just in abiding with God and then all of a sudden you're more patient and you're more kind and you're more loving because you haven't quenched the work of the Spirit. Does this make sense this morning? May it be so in Jesus' name.
Let's pray together. Lord, take these words, these simple yet challenging words. Lord, there's people in this room that have, we have quenched your spirit at times. And Lord, you're revealing on the hearts of people this morning what they need to do. Lord, we don't come to your word and just read it as an intellectual thing. No, you've actually been pushing and prodding and shaping us. And Lord, I pray this morning it'd be a, moment, a mo- morning of obedience. That whatever you said, we would do. And whatever you're asking of us, we'd be faithful to follow. So that increasingly our lives would look different. Our lives would not be extinguished of the Spirit, but our lives would be full of the Spirit and increasingly more so. In Jesus' name we pray. I invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing this just one more time before we go this morning. Let's declare this together. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to partner with us in sharing Jesus and helping people experience life change, you can support our mission by clicking the link in the description. If this message has impacted you, please subscribe and share. To learn more, visit wearecalvary.com. We'll see you back next week.